Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Israel Martinez, and I want to uh, welcome you if you are a guest, um, and I serve here as a lead pastor. If you're a guest, we are thankful that you are here with us getting to uh, grow in the Proverbs. We're doing a summer series in Proverbs, and so we're going to be looking at Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. We looked at Proverbs 1 yesterday and saw that this, uh, this fear of the Lord, this true knowledge that God gives is anchored in this fear of the Lord. And so, again, if you are a guest, we want to say hi to you, welcome you, and uh, hope that you feel welcomed and loved here today. So we're going to start today a little different. We're just going to start reading um, the words of wisdom here in Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. So if you have a Bible or if you have a device, please turn it on, have your eyes and ears and heart um, looking at the scriptures, and hopefully that will minister to you as we walk through this text today. So again, Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. We're going to see that wisdom calls. Follow with me. Proverbs 1:20 starts saying, "Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge?" If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you, and I will make my words known to you, because I have called and you refused to listen. Have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but, I, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill with their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. And so what do you hear this morning? What are you hearing today? What are you listening to? What voices, what screens, that's the new thing, right? What messages are you inputting in your mind and in your soul? What calls you? What calls to your attention? Uh, what, what gives you passion? Like, what are you excited about? What wakes you up in the morning to live? What honestly calls to you and stirs your soul? What are you so passionate about? Maybe it's nothing. That's an indictment too. But what are you so passionate about that you can't stop talking about it? You can't stop thinking about it. What drives you or calls you to your life's mission? Again, what wakes you up in the morning? You see, there are many voices in the world 
today that are calling for your attention. They're calling for you to listen, to devote your life and your passions to this other kind of wisdom. It's not wisdom. It's the opposite of wisdom. It's lies. But wisdom is calling you, as our Proverbs say. Wisdom calls. Wisdom calls you out, as we saw in our text, and wisdom calls you up. Said more completely, our text will teach us today that wisdom calls. It calls for us to listen and then to dwell secure in the fear of the Lord or be destroyed. Good morning. <laughs> That's heavy, right? Uh, just let that, that, that the text is a heavy text, but it's also a joyful text. It's a comforting text. Let's look at these things today. And so uh, I want us to look at the first few verses, 20 through 22 of our text. Again, we're going to see our first point that is really clear that wisdom calls. Look at verse 20 and listen to how wisdom calls. She cries aloud in the street. That word cries can mean call out or cry out. She cries aloud in the streets. It says in the market, she raises her voice. It's another um, description of how she calls out. She's loud. She's obvious. Now, she calls and raises her voice where? At the head, at the beginning of this noisy street. She cries out. She's like, pay attention. Listen. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. She's in a prominent position. Wisdom is all around us. Will we pay attention? Will we see her? The NIV translated, translates it this way. Uh, not my favorite translation, but a decent translation as it, it does a thought for thought. And thought for thought is helpful when looking at poetry. And so when we look at poetry, it says it this way. If you speak another language, you understand that it is hard to translate things. So I think that it works, but I think this is a little, uh, uh, just a little different perspective. So listen to this in the NIV, the same few verses we just uh, talked about. It says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. Again, wisdom calls. Wisdom is calling. And then look at verse 22, and then she calls out, right? She says, how long, O simple ones? Pardon my French. She's, how long, dummies? How long? That's, sorry, that's offensive, right? How long, simple ones? How long, people who are not smart? Whatever you want to say there, whatever your version of that is, okay? Bucket heads. That's what we use in my house with the kids. Don't be a bucket head. How long, oh, bucket heads? Will you love being a bucket head? Will you love being simple and small? A doofus. Whatever word you use there, Okay. How long? Then it, then it talks about these people. Again, we see that wisdom actually calls people out. She's not shy. We're going to see she, uh, she speaks a little stronger even later in the text, but she will call you out, and she's calling us out in this text. And Solomon, who was the, the wisest uh, man, um, one of the wisest men who ever lived, the Bible says, and no one had wisdom. No one could take a situation and apply it like Solomon. Now, he still ended the rest of his life, and it was rough. A lot of scholars believe Ecclesiastes and, and, and uh, Proverbs, specifically Ecclesiastes, was kind of the sum of him, maybe in his deathbed, writing these final words. And so we'll get to some of that towards the end of the sermon. This is who was writing this. How long, scoffers, those people that gossip, those people that talk trash in your life, 
And they can do it in the life of the church and at work. Those people in your family that scoff and make fun of you, maybe for following the ways of Jesus or they don't understand. How long, now this is addressed at us or at the people reading this, how long, scoffers, how long will scoffers delight or love, enjoy their own scoffing, their own bucket-headed words? How long will you love your own stupidity? And then listen to this. And fools, there's another word. Fools, how long will you hate knowledge? I know there's this kind of tension in the culture today that the old generations, that they, that they were so smart, that they, uh, that they, that they love uh, knowledge and wisdom, and then they mock the younger generations for um, being lazy and hating wisdom and hating knowledge. But I would argue that this happens in every generation. <laughs> it's proof here. We all do it. We all do it in different ways. Because the younger generation, I'm 40, but that, that, you know, 20 to 30, they can do stuff on the computer and do some things faster than I ever could, right? And then we can do some common sense things that they can't do. And so that wisdom and knowledge is transferred in different ways. But the point is, we all get to a point where we are proud and when we start to hate knowledge, and, and, and we love this scoffing or this making fun of, mocking God. And so we see wisdom is calling us to something. What is wisdom calling us to in these first few verses? Simply to listen, just to listen. Now we're going to see in our second point today how wisdom calls us to listen. And so the question is, listening, right? Listening or hearing, different things, right? I've heard a noise, Right, you heard something. What is listening? To actually comprehend, right? To let that sink in, to actually know what was said, not just audible words or noises, but to take that and then be able to use that to actually understand now what do I do with this thing that I just heard. And so the question is, will you refuse wisdom or will you receive wisdom? Will you listen to wisdom? Will you refuse it like we see the listener in the Proverbs, or you, will you receive wisdom? Look at verses 23. It says, if you turn. So this can also be translated, if you repent. What is repenting? It's turning away from evil or from sin and turning to God and his kingdom. Will you turn away from evil? Right? At what? Turn to what? We don't like this part. At my reproof. Wisdom is saying, will you Turn to the fact that I'm calling you out on something. Does our culture like this? No. Do we like this as humans? What's the first thing you do when you're a kid and your sibling comes and says, you did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. Right? Uh, me, I'm a big culprit of losing the keys in the house. And I'm always like, hey, guys, you lost my keys. Where are my keys? Where are my keys? Right? And it's like my fault. I left them in my pocket or my phone. It's like, oh, it's here. And my kids always know. They're like, it's in your pocket. Or I'm like, sorry. Because we don't, we love blaming other people. We love being like, you're bad, not my bad, right? That's just our nature. But wisdom is saying, if you turn at my reproof, if you pay attention to the holes in your game, to the things that you do wrong, wisdom is saying, I'm here to help you out. I'm going to reprove you or call you out on some things. And then listen to what she says. Behold, pay attention, listen again. I will put my spirit, that's what she says, I will put my spirit I will pour out my spirit on you. This is this, like, I'm going to give you what you need. Does this mean the Holy Spirit? 
Not necessarily here. The point is wisdom is saying, and we can take it there later maybe, but here it's saying, my thoughts, everything that I know as wisdom, all the intimacy, all that you want to know, wisdom in the Hebrew, it's this breath or wind or spirit, this invisible moving force. It's the same idea. So you can use the word breath or wind, spirit, if that helps, a little hand motions. It's just this, this force almost. It's helping you. Wisdom is saying, I can give you everything you need. I give you breath. I give you wind. I give you life. I'll give it to you. I will make, look at the rest of verse 23, I'll make my words known to you, the things that you need to know. I will make it available. But look at uh, verse 24. She says, because I have called you, I called you out, but you refused to listen. Ever been there? You knew something that you needed to do, maybe been a parent, a teacher, a friend, uh, someone you were in a relationship with was calling you out and said, you need to listen to me, but you refused to listen. Anybody guilty, right? And then wisdom says, and this is sounds, start sounding like God does this in a sense. God stretches out his hand, but wisdom just means, hey, I'm putting out my hand to help you. Hey, I'm putting out my hand. I have stretched out my hand even after listening, but no one has heeded no one has, has paid attention. No one has wanted that because you have ignored all, all my counsel. And you would have, again, in case you missed it, you will have none of my reproof. Like we're so proud as humans sometimes that we, wisdom is right in front of us. She's calling at the gate. She's saying, hey, listen, pay attention. I have something for you. And we're like, no, I'm good. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be disobedient. You see, if we're honest, let the tension out for a second. We've all acted this way. We've all acted this way towards wisdom. Maybe when you were younger, maybe right now. We've all come up to wisdom and said, no, I don't want you. I hate you. I hate the knowledge you give me. You see, because as humanity... We were all created by a loving God. Our loving God created each and every one of you in his image. No matter how much you refused or hated wisdom, he created you. The evilest person, whoever you think that is. Hitler, I don't know, created Hitler in his image. And Hitler then went and abused that, right? World leaders, people with power, they have the image of God in them. And they, what do they do? We can see it so clear. The wisdom is crying out, no, don't do that. And, and they do this evil and stupidity. And they're fools. They're these simple ones that have refused wisdom when God had this beautiful plan from the beginning to show us that we would fall, that there is a gap, that we needed this king of kings, that we cannot understand this wisdom because what we do is right here. This is an indictment of who we are. We just refuse wisdom. We hate wisdom in the flesh. You may do some things right. Without, without God, technically. There's some philosophical, philosophical arguments that say, nope, you're just doing those selfishly your whole life. Those are not even Christian arguments. But if you don't know the holy God, I would argue too, your whole life is a sham. If you say you know the holy God, the Bible says you say you know him, we're going to look at this text later, and you don't keep his commandments, then you're a liar and the truth is not in you. 
And that's an indictment to us, guys, because we've all sinned. God created and made everything good, and this fall happened. There's this chasm and this brokenness, and he wants us to see wisdom. Not our own wisdom, but the wisdom that God offers is offered to you. But the fall keeps us separated from God. And we've all refused wisdom. We've refused the call of God because of our sin. And that's where God wants you to be. He wants you to see this. You see, the proud would be like, I hate knowledge. I don't want reproof. Don't correct me. You're wrong. No, I'm not evil. You're evil. That's what our culture is doing. It's twist everything that God has said. And now whatever you want to be, you can be. Whatever you want to do, you can be. There's no reproof. There's no correction. There's no, yeah, I may have made a mistake. And if you say something holy, people jump on you now, right? You say this is wrong, people jump on you and call you a bigot. They call you a monster. Do you see how wisdom has been flipped? You see the folly of the simple one. The fall shows us that we are broken and that we need a holy God. Now listen to how wisdom calls out in rebuke to destroy, to be destroyed. That's the end of this thing. If you don't receive wisdom, you will be destroyed. Look at our third point today. Our third point shows us that, you will be, that wisdom calls out to be destroyed. And that the, in verses 26 to 29, that the consequences, we see these consequences of refusing to listen to wisdom. So see these consequences. You see, if you refuse wisdom, wisdom has no choice. Wisdom is not evil. Wisdom just has common sense. If you refuse her, you're going to be like, really, dude? Really? Listen to these words. Wisdom has no choice but to laugh and to mock you. Look at verse 26. Wisdom says, I also will laugh at your calamity, at the crazy things that happen to you. I will mock you when terror strikes you. Man, the Bible seems harsh, right? When terror strikes you like a storm and when your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, wisdom ain't messing around. You don't listen to wisdom, you will be crushed. You will be destroyed. Listen to this language here. She mocks, she laughs. I don't think in spite, but because of the stupidity and the foolishness, there is no choice but to be like, really, dude? You ever been there when someone just, you're like, I told you not to do the thing, and they did the thing, right? It's kind of what's happening here. Look at verse 28, and this is sad. Because God knows the point of no return in everybody's life. And that may be to the end of someone's life. I believe theologically in some people's life, they refuse God, and God knows they're never turning back. That's God's to know, not ours to know. So we don't judge that way, but God does. It says, they will call upon me. They will call upon wisdom. But I will not answer. That's scary, right? Because how many people go through mess? And what happens when they go through the mess? Oh, Jesus, God, help me, help me. And I'm not saying we can't do that, okay? But we live some arrogant, hating lives that hate wisdom and mock wisdom it's like the old Peter cries wolf, right? We do that. We, hey, uh, I mean, uh, this, this happened, that happened, and then we come to God when we need God. We, we don't love God. We love ourselves. This is self-preservation. We want a ticket out of hell. But we haven't come front 
and confronted who wisdom is and who we really are. And God is saying, look, pay attention, listen. Jesus says to come broken, to come to you when, to, when, he, when your yoke is heavy. But God knows this verse 28, when your time is up, there will be some people that will call upon wisdom and wisdom won't answer. Because this doesn't mean that you can't come back and be saved if you made a mistake, okay? But there are some situations, my dad always used to say, used to say if you play around with a tiger and put your hand in the cage and tiger eats said hand, you're probably not going to get that hand back, okay? So once you make a mistake, God is still beautiful and can redeem some crazy things, but there are consequences for our mistakes. You get in a bad relationship. You keep looking at stuff on the Internet. That is going to haunt you demonically. The things that you say, the things that you watch, the screens that you're obsessed with, the messages you're receiving, the TV shows you watch, the things you spend time doing. We will call upon wisdom, and wisdom's like, you made your choice. I can't help you. The text continues in verse 29, and it says this, they will seek me diligently. There's people that come to churches all the time. God, help me. God, help me. And God is a God who helps, but there are some choices. You take drugs, your brain is going to be messed up. You understand? You can't, it's really, God can grow a brain back, but most people that take really hard drugs, that brain capacity is gone. It's just like cutting off an arm. Imagine if you get in a car accident and part of your brain falls off, you're not going to function. And this is what we do. We keep walking in the ways of the world, and there will be consequences. Now, God can deliver you from those things. I'm not saying that. But there are consequences for rejecting wisdom. It says, they will seek me but will not find me. They can't because they don't know where to look because they're so obsessed with the ways of the world and the wrong wisdom. Verse 29, why? This is the key. This anchors to our text in Proverbs 1. The beginning of of true knowledge and wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now listen to this. Because what did they ultimately do? They hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Now knowledge can be a trap in by in of itself. But the knowledge of God, this is in a sense you can call theology or the study of God, or the love of God, not just to know stuff, but to know God, to know the King of Kings, to know who he really is, to dwell secure in him, in this fear of the Lord, because God is the only one who knows when salvation's door is closed. So the warning is clear. Beware. I'm not God. You're not God. And you're not God for anybody else. So we can't condemn people. We always call people to the Lord. But the Lord knows. So don't play around with God. He is not to be mocked or messed with. Now, wisdom is speaking, not necessarily, I think, advocating for God. But you see, it's, it's like um, this, when the, the fool here mocked wisdom, again, when in actually they are the one being mocked. It's kind of like those people that have made fun of the nerd for studying, right? Like, oh my gosh. That was kind of how we lived in the 90s, 2000s. Like, you just made fun of everybody. Um, you make, maybe you guys don't do that in the new year, just like everybody's politically correct, but kids still make, y'all are liars. Kids make fun of each other. Uh, teenagers make fun of each other. I've seen it. It's in our blood. We mock people. We may be politically correct on a screen, but we're in front of people. We talk. We gossip. So, you mock that person, right? You mock that nerd who did all the studying. He didn't have a life. She didn't have a life. They didn't go partying. They didn't do this thing or that thing. It's those guys, you know, and then they all get to college and they party it up and the nerd's just in their dorm studying. And then 20 years pass. And then little nerd 
He's like, oh, man, he kind of grew up. He got some muscle tone. He's got that beard. Oh, man, he's looking smooth. What happened? Oh, that's his family? Oh, man. Nerd built a company? Man, nerd built like Facebook 2.3, right? And he's like this, he's this stud now. He worked in his youth. He built something. He listened to wisdom, and he didn't have to say anything. His own appearance, who he is, mocks the people that made fun of him. You see, wisdom calls us out. It will call you out. It will show you who you really are. It will show you your true colors. True wisdom calls us to what? To so much more because it's found in Jesus Christ, in Jesus' wisdom and not ours. Remember what we learned last week about the fear of the Lord. We're going to spend some time here because it's super important. This is like the main anchor for what we're looking at. The fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of gospel knowledge and understanding is this fear of the Lord. Our, our uh, Proverbs 1-7 is the whole anchor to understand the whole book of Proverbs. And really, it's a theme to understand the whole Bible. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that knowledge. Remember, people hate these, these people that reject wisdom. What do they do? They hate knowledge. So if you're not a learner, and I'm not saying learning in of itself, but if you're not a learner of the things of God, th- then what are you doing? You're doing the opposite. You're hating knowledge. A lot of us are like, oh, yeah, I just accepted Jesus as a kid, and I'm good. And You have no love for the things of God. We don't want to grow sometimes. God says, love me, love knowledge, not just for knowledge's sake, but are you in his word, studying his word? Do you love the things of God, or do you love the things of the world? Do you want to know true knowledge, not fake knowledge, not all the things of this conspiracy theory or this person said this on this side of political arguments or this thing or that thing and that thing and this thing? It's like, do you love the things of the Lord? Do you love true knowledge? That's the only thing that will sustain you. The fear of the Lord, another way of saying that is loving God, knowing God, revering God, like really revering God. The fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of knowledge. That's where it starts. A lot of times we try to flip that. We try to come to knowledge and figure out God. No, God's got us figured out. He says, bow. He says, believe. He says, repent of your sin. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Again, fools despise or hate wisdom and instruction. They hate instruction. Another word for that is discipline. We spent some time on that last week. Not going to spend much time there. But if you're an undisciplined person, you hate knowledge. If you're waking up at 12 o'clock every day, and if you're not disciplined, I'm not saying discipline can be an idol too, but discipline, instruction, if you're receiving some instruction and you don't follow through, then that's an indictment on you as a person. That's almost proof. Like, do you really love God? You can't do what he says. If you love God, you'll love people. If you have faith, you have works. John says it this way, love me and love your brother. Jesus says the fear and the Old Testament says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How will you do anything for the Lord? A lot of times we want to do the stuff, but we don't want God. We want the king without the kingdom. We want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And God has called us to, to, for us to live as Christ and to die as gain. A true Christian heart loves the things of the Lord. You're obsessed with the things of the Lord. You see, the beginning and end of knowledge starts with God. It ends with God. So do you walk in the fear of the Lord? Or do you despise wisdom and instruction? Do you hate discipline? It's hard. Discipline's not easy. But discipline that the Lord calls us to, it's amazing. It changes your life. It will change your life. Can you be one who fears the Lord and loves wisdom and instruction and discipline 
Yes, you can. Yes, God is saying, look, child, I love you. And it's not to wake up and be like, oh, Mr. Discipline. Well, I'm a military guy. I get it. Some, I used to be like, man, I am, I'm goof troop. I'm coming up late to the thing and be like, whoo, just made it in line. Yes, sir. I was late all the time. And like, man, I had to learn those things. And as I've gotten older, I realized sometimes as a disciplined person, you realize you don't feel disciplined. You feel like you're unorganized and things like that. But there are certain things you start to put in place. Then you go back and look and you're like, I'm actually a disciplined person. One thing disciplined people do, I heard this example from a pastor. It's like, you're getting older. I need to take vitamins. I take a probiotic, right? So what's, what's discipline is like, uh, you know, wake up every day with this military attitude, take my pills. No, that's not how it works. It's just like, I'm dumb. I'm a space cadet. I will forget to take the pill every time. So I have to dummy proof. Wisdom told me, hey, Buckethead, take the pill box, put it on your thing right in front of the mirror, Put, buy one of those little purple things with the little thing, day one, two, three, right? And do I, do I get it right every time? No, I messed up my routine like yesterday and today, but I still took the pills, and they're still helping me out. Does that make sense? Um, you need the vitamins because we eat like trash, right? So I need something in there. And so uh, I don't feel disciplined when I'm waking up, but, but you know what? Now I've been taking the pills for a few months, and I feel a lot better. Another thing I need to do is stretch a lot because I'm old. I have a, a disability from my time in the military, so I need to stretch a lot and, and stay wiggly. So I'm like, man, I keep jacking up my back. A couple weeks ago, I was up here preaching. My back was jacked up because I was a little bit undisciplined in what I was supposed to do. So a new thing that I have to do, you guys probably don't have to do it. You might have strong backs. But I have to get these little uh, uh, tennis balls and put them in my car and sit on them and wiggle my hips around to keep them loose. And that helps me and help, it's been helping my back ever since. We went on a road trip. I drove a lot. In, in these rental cars, and they're all, you know, tight, and I put them balls on my back. Whoo, I'm good. I'm like a 35-year-old. Mm, <laughs> no, no, I'm feeling younger, better. So there's little things like that. Discipline is not always, like, easy, and it's not always, like, military precision. It's just, like, waking up, going after the goal, doing those little things every day. You will fail, but God will lead you. And that, those kinds of things of, like, craving God, loving God, fighting for those things, Yes, God loved us first, but if he really loved you, he'd give you now the ability to play. He says, go play, my child. Go be disciplined. Knock it out of the park. Not for your glory, for, for the glory, for my glory. You guys can be some of the most disciplined, godly people in the world. But it starts, again, with the fear of the Lord. Because you know the true God, and you have the capacity to know this true knowledge and wisdom and so this is what it could imply, all that positive, awesome stuff. Yes, but discipline looks like this sometimes. The fear of the Lord looks like this, that we would be okay with being corrected, right? Especially in the church. You know how many times you call someone out in love? The Bible says we can do that. People gone. Nope. They get to a threshold of pain. They don't want to deal with it. God is calling us to grow, not to be jerks, not to just call people out all the time in love, Help people to get to that threshold of pain because what happens? When you get to that threshold of pain, most people will bow out and they will stay the same. They'll still be drinking milk like a spiritual baby. And God says, I want you to eat meat, but you have to go through pain and suffering. Like the book of Job. Job doesn't get any answer. All Job gets is, do you love me? Do you fear me? That's all he gets. That God is enough and of himself. And not the stuff that God gives, but that God in himself is enough. So we need to know, be okay with being told no sometimes. Our culture definitely needs to be told that. No, that is wrong. In love. Told that you need to do better. Hey, you could do better. 
to, to take reproof, as our text says. It's just another way of rebuke, reproof, correction. That if you fear the Lord and you love wisdom, you're going to be okay with God's correction. And that you're going to be okay hearing some words, again, hearing the words you're wrong or no from God. Sometimes we don't want to. You're like, ah, I wish I would have. If you could go back and write your little story, you would have married that person, had that much money, that you, our lives would be probably horrible. Or they may be amazing. Not know the fear of the Lord. That's crazy, right? You could chase riches, whatever the things your heart loves. Whatever, how, whatever story you would, if you could go back and edit your own story, what would you put? God knows better than us. He says no. He changes things. He makes you marry this person. Oh, I thought I was going to marry that person. He makes you work this job. You're like, I thought I was going to be that job. You live in this city instead of that city. You do this thing instead of that thing because we make our plans. We're going to sing this in response. It's Proverbs 69. We make our plans, and that's fine. Make your plans. But he directs your steps. That's humbling, right? Because we're going to mess up. But it implies that, that if we want this fear of the Lord, this correction, this discipline, that we are humble before even God and, and even other humans, especially the church. And so can you honestly come to God in humility, guys, in brokenness, in knowing your brokenness, in knowing that God is holy and that he says, yes, you have sinned, but I have an answer for you. There is hope. Can you fear the Lord, which is a synonym for loving him or revering him? And this may sound super spiritual, but you get goosebumps when you think about the things of God and that he's coming again and that he's the most powerful, the most awesome. He's everything. He's transcendent. He's so big we can't understand him. But only through Christ, his son, and through the Holy Spirit's power, the Father has allowed us to be close to him through this, um, through the, this imminence, this closeness of God to us in Jesus Christ. Triune God working together, revealing himself to us. Again, fools are proud and think their own knowledge will suffice. And maybe you, like me, have been a fool, right? You've been a boy in those bucket heads. You've made crazy mistakes. You're ashamed of those things. You could see the films going through in your head and the things you did and the things that you would be so ashamed of if anybody saw those things. And the truth is, guys, because of those things, that we're utter, utter, utterly hopeless we're fools without Christ. But the Bible says you can be fools for Christ. <laughs> because true knowledge is to fear God by imitating uh, and knowing, uh, 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 by intimately, sorry, knowing Christ and the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. So do you fear the Lord? Do you know him intimately? Or are you paralyzed by the decisions you have made in the past or the decisions you're making now? Maybe you live in fear of everything else. The world scares you. World War III, going to war, um, waking up in the morning, going to work, all this anxiety and mental issues that people have. And I'm not saying some of those things aren't real. They are. But they don't control you. Anxiety is not your God. Fear is not your God. God is your God. And he said, fear me and not anything else. You see, 1 John calls us to, to the, this perfect love of God. And what does the perfect love of God do, uh, do? What does the fear of God do? It actually, John says that the love of God cast out fear. A lot of people are just living cowardly lives. And, and I, hey, I've been there. Right? Church planting is hard. Being in ministry is hard. The enemy is throwing those darts at you. And if you're a Christian, he's throwing darts at you. He wants to seek, kill, and destroy you. But you want a freeing way to live? Fear the Lord. It's all over the book of Proverbs. 
This original uh, Hebrew grammar uses wisdom. It uses this she, this female voice that we see this counseling mother help her children. This is a type of practical voice of wisdom in Proverbs. It's very practical. There is a big spiritual connection to Jesus, yes. But wisdom here is is using this uh, female voice to help us see a mother that loves you and comforts you. And then the Proverbs again, but what is the Proverbs doing? It's anchoring us in who? In just this female voice by itself, Solomon had all the wisdom he wanted, and he was still dumb at the end of his life. He let women conquer him. It's not just wisdom. It's wisdom of the Lord. And that's what this wisdom in Proverbs is calling us to. This mother's voice calls us. It's important. Yes, this wise, effeminate voice of wisdom is calling us to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to see the Messiah, Jesus. You see, wisdom calls for us to listen and to dwell secure, to abide in the fear of the Lord or be destroyed. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.30. He said, but God chose the foolish things of the world. Children of God, us, the bucketheads, okay? He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and, dis- and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. No one can boast. No one can brag. And it is because of him that you, because the Father God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom. So now we see the wisdom of the voice in Proverbs is calling to this wisdom that Christ is Christ. That, that Christ, it says, is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Brag in Jesus. You see, because, again, the main point of our text is that wisdom calls for us to listen, to dwell secure in the fear of the Lord or to be destroyed. And so we're going to conclude now. And I take us to Solomon, the author of this, the author of one of my favorite books, Ecclesiastes, which says, everything is pointless. Everything is vanity. He did everything. Solomon had everything. He was a musician. He had, he had women. He had anything that he wanted. He, they, they, from a lot of accounts, he was the richest man who ever lived of access to stuff and power and money and information. But he writes this at the end of his book in Ecclesiastes when he says, everything is pointless, guys. You make all this money and you pass it off to your children and they go live like the, the, like the enemy. They live like, like Hades. He says the, the, the rich man works hard and he dies. And, and, and the evil man does all. It's kind of the opposites of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. It, Proverbs are like these wise sayings, these pithy statements that 90, 10 are usually right. Remember, it's like if you get to sit in a park bench your whole life and observe humanity, based on the Proverbs, probably 90-10 or maybe, you know, 99 out of 1,000 times, 1,000 years of just witnessing humanity, if you follow the Proverbs, you will succeed. But there's always the exception, right? And so that's what Ecclesiastes talks about, the exceptions. But this is what Solomon says, the conclusion. He says, when everything has been heard, all wisdom has been displayed. Solomon says, when all has been heard, the conclusion, when all has been heard is... Fear God, the wisest man. Love God, know God, fear him. Like you would a good father, fear God and keep his commandments. And fear means fear. People are like, oh, it means this or that. No, it means revere. It means to love. But it's this other side, this reverence for God. To not mock God, but to really have a fear of God, a healthy fear of God. That there are consequences for our evil 
But to fear God and do what? When you love God or fear God, this is echoing what Jesus says. It says to fear God and keep, to keep, to guard, to protect, to love his commandments. We don't like that. Like, what? I thought fear God just, I could do whatever I want, nilly-willy, free. Freedom in Christ is to follow God's commandments. It's the same, it's a great commission. So again, fearing God is a synonym to loving God, which is what the greatest commandment tells us our main purpose in life is. Fearing God is synonymous with knowing God. In the Old Testament, we see this also in the New Testament. Uh, Paul says it in, in Ephesians 5.21. You think it's the Old Testament concept? No, it's a New Testament concept too. Paul says to the church and be subject or submit to one another as the church or the body in what? In the fear of Christ. Phobos, it's where we get our phobia word. In the fear of Christ, there's something that's missing when we just say love, because sometimes we translate love as like this, love and butterflies and sugar plums. We talk like this, whatever voice this is, right? And God's love is a, is a strong love. God's love will make you be terrified. But when you see Jesus and the love of God combined together, because God, you know how they describe God in the old, in the old uh, translations in English? Terrible. Terrible meant awesome. It just meant like, whoa, like we describe dinosaurs. Dinosaur means terrible lizard. It means they're like this big, bad, awesome thing. And that's the side of God. We, do, we don't, we just see, oh, he's Santa Claus. He's just so nice. He talks like this. And I don't know. I, I don't want to see that guy. I want to see the full picture of the holy God who is loving, who is all those things, but who's also wrathful for the right reason because he's ultimately just and pure. And so fear God. We see this in the, so we're going to land with this. How are you fearing God, who is Jesus Christ today in your life? Think about it. How are you fearing God? Fearing God leads to, to knowing his commandments, to this true knowledge, to this wisdom like Ecclesiastes and Proverbs teach us. This true wisdom are found where? In the Holy Scriptures, in God's commandments, in his law, in his written word. We have the living word, Jesus, the written word, the scriptures, and the proclaimed word, the gospel. They all work in unison. David says of loving God's commandments in Psalm 119. If you want to start somewhere, start in Psalm 119. Read the whole thing over and over and over. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, David says, I've sought you. Don't let me wander from what? Your commandments. Your word, David says, I have treasured in my heart. A man who knew sin a lot, right, David? That I might not sin against you. How do you protect yourself? You know the word of God. Yes, the Bible, but the living word, Jesus. The fear of the Lord, based out of the written word that we learn through the power of the Holy Spirit. They all work together. Then we know the gospel. Then we can actually proclaim the right gospel. It says, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Ask God to teach you. To fear God is to do the Father's commandments through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So you have to love God. You have to fear God, and you have to fear his word. That's what it means to truly fear him. That's what the people in the Bible say. John says this, by this we know that we have come to know him. You can say fear him or love him. How? If we keep his commandments. It's all over the Bible. The one who says, I have come to know him, I know Jesus, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him or her. So we, we, you can't be a child of God if you're practicing sin. It doesn't mean you're going to stumble or not mess up. It's not what it's saying. John talks about practicing sin. He says, but whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has been truly perfected. That's what's happening. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides or lives or dwells in him ought himself or herself to walk in the same manner as he, Jesus, walked. 
So do you love the triune God, guys? Do you walk like Jesus in true knowledge and this wisdom that is actually found in him? Do you fear him because you know what his written word says and what his gospel is all about? Hear these words in Ecclesiastes, and we'll end here. It says, though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life. That's kind of like, man, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him, but it will not be well. You'll be destroyed. It will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. Guys, let's fear God today. Let's remember what we learned. I want us to think about, again, what voices are you listening to? What are you hearing? What screens and things and messages are you inputting in your soul? What is calling to your attention? Is wisdom calling you? Is the true wisdom of God calling you? We learned today that wisdom calls to dwell secure, to abide, to live in God, to dwell secure in the fear of the Lord. And so let's live that way.